Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning, saints. Blessed Valentine's Day to each one of you. Blessed Valentine's to those watching by the internet. Listen, we've been on a series talking about God's one thing. And in the Bible, God has a phrase. It's called a phrase, a one thing phrase. Now, in the Bible, this phrase happens to say five times, five times one thing, but they're different. And I want you to, um, if you haven't heard any of them yet, please go online, go on the website, go on our Facebook page, um, a YouTube page, and... Um, I'd rather you go to YouTube page if I have a preference. Um, but look at these, these uh, messages that we have already had because they're important. Because one thing, one thing in your life can make all the difference. Do you know if I was on a boat and I was one degree off and I had to try, uh, travel 100 miles, I would be so far from my destination just because I was one degree off. We sometimes underestimate that one thing. One thing can make a big, giant difference. Let me give you an example. Has anybody ever come into your life, you had a really bad day, your day's miserable, just miserable, just having a really bad day. Anybody have one of those days? Okay, I see a couple of those hands. Yes, you have those days. But then all of a sudden, then you have a suddenly, someone will call you or someone will come in and they'll do something that turns your bad day into, well, it wasn't too bad of a day. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. One thing can make a difference and make it a big thing. You know, it's a, it's, I always believe that it's a big thing to do little things well. And um, I think when God speaks these five things, I think they're important. The first one we talked about is one thing you lack. A young rich ruler who come up to Jesus and say, God, how can I have eternal life? And God gives them five of the horizontal laws that you find in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And those five were relating to how we relate to each other. But then God says, I want you to go and I want you to sell everything. I want you to come follow me. But he went away sad. And then Jesus said, one thing you lack. And the lack was he had his wealth was more important than his God, and he went away sad. We have to be careful that we don't have that one thing that gets in the way of the relationship. So the question I asked you that day is what one thing hinders you from becoming a totally committed disciple of Jesus Christ? And then we had part two is one thing is necessary. And I love this story. It was about Jesus is going over most likely Lazarus' house with Mary and Martha, and Martha and Mary are going to prepare a meal, and Mary says, Jesus is in the house. I'm going to sit at his feet. And Jesus is talking. He's sharing. Mary is learning and listening. But Martha is full of load and labor, and that's all she's doing. And she finally gets really ticked, and she comes up to Jesus to get the big guns and says, God, Jesus, will you tell my sister she's not listening to me, the servants, nobody, to get going? And Jesus looks at her and goes, Martha, Martha. You know when someone looks at you and goes, and says your name? Martha, Martha. You know, many people looked at me and said, 
Brian, Brian. <laughs> and so Jesus says, one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen it. Mary was so full of work and labor and loaded, and Mary was just listening and learning. And what she listened and learned, she was going to take with her. You see, the question was there is what are the things that we put in our life that become our attractions of things that we do that we feel is more important than following the Lord? More important, we think Mary thought work was more important than listening to the, listening to the Lord. We can get things in our life, we get so distraction from things that we think are really important. A meal's important, the hospitality. In that time, very important. But Jesus could have said, hey, you got a couple of loaves? Uh, you got something? Okay. And there's a meal. That's what Jesus could have done. Jesus himself wasn't concerned with the meal. Because did he not say, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? So sometimes you and I need to recognize the things that we think are so important. Are they really that important? And are they bringing a hindrance for us to really Learning to listen and learn is so important. Now, we're going to travel. The third thing is that we're going to talk about is one thing I ask, one thing I do. Today, we're going to talk about one thing I know. One thing I know. So let me ask you a question. We're going to take a test this morning. We're going to see how many things you know. You ready? Here you go. What do you know? Here's a few lists. These are things in life. This is not spiritual, so let's just leave that one alone, okay? This is common sense knowledge. Do you know how to start a fire without matches? Hmm? You say, what do I need that for? Well, you find yourself in the wilderness, you're going to want to know that. <laughs> let's see. Do you know how to grow your own vegetables? Do you know how to swim? Do you know how to change your own tire? Do you know how to jump a car if your battery goes dead? Do you know how to think critically and question the status quo and not just listen to what you hear, but really actually find the facts of what true is? Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to cook? Do you know how to cook an egg? Do you know how to burn toast? Okay. <laughs> do you know how to do CPR? Do you know how to manage your time? Do you know how to remember people's names? I had a problem with that, and I had four kids, and I lived with them. Hmm. Do you know how to stop talking and really turn to listen to what another person is saying? Do you know how to just sometimes keep the trap shut and just listen so you can learn? Do you know how to do that? How good are you? Do you know how to use credit correctly? Do you know how to personally manage your finances? Do you know how to use a map? Huh? Without depending on your GPS, where would we be if your GPS didn't, you know, work right? Here's a map. Uh. <laughs> Do you know how to sew? I think I'm, I'm a better sewer than you, maybe. Yeah, I, I've sewed so much over my years, I know how to sew. I know you don't think this, but yeah, it's true. But no, I am not doing any tailoring, so I'm just letting you know. Do you know how to drive a manual transmission? Do you know how to say please and thank you? I'm sorry, please forgive me. I would wrong. Do you know how to ask for help? Do you know how to control your temper? Do you know how to park? Or do you know how to parallel park? Do you know how to drive on the snow? 
<laughs> here's, here's what I want you to really get. Do you know, do you know there is a lot you don't know? You see, when we look at life and we look at the word know, gnoso, knowledge, understanding, we have to ask ourselves, how much do we know? Because what we know is what we live on. You don't live on something you don't know. You live on something you do know. And when you know something, you know it. You ever heard someone say, I know it and I'm right? You probably have heard that from me because when I know <laughs> I have said that. There are some things I just know that I know. It's like someone coming up to you and say your name's not really what it is. No one's going to convince you of that. Why? Because you know your name. Now, I want to take you on a journey today, and it's going to be a, a little bit of a journey. So look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? We have a lot of scripture today. Today is a lot of scripture, and I'm going to do my best to really be clear on it. But here is our question that we're going to deal with today. It's really two questions I want you to think of as we take this portion of Scripture, as we really know, or knowing the God who heals. Knowing the God who heals. I want you to understand that. You have to know your God, and you know He's a God who heals. Here's the questions we want to address. What are the things that you know that God has done in your life, but you no longer share them with others? What are the things in your life that you know that God has done, but you no longer share them with others? And the second one is this. What personal experience in God have you forgotten over the process of time? So here's a little bit of homework. I want you to take this question. I want you to take a piece of paper. I want you to write these questions down, and I want you to meditate. Think about this. What are the things you know God has done in your life, but you no longer share them with others. This is, this is crucial. This is important. And the second one, what personal experience? It's you. God's dealt with you. God did it for you. It was in you. No one can take away your personal experience because God did it with you. It's personal. But you've kind of forgotten over the process of time. You know, and that's what happens. God does all this work, and all we do is see the problem... At the moment, we're not remembering all that God has done in the past. Those, these are power questions that will help you understand what God has done in your life, what God is doing in your life, and here goes a big one, what God is continually doing in your life. Because the same God that brought you to this point is the same God that's in charge. So look at someone and just say, God's in charge. So we're going to look at the story today, the Bible truth found in John 9. And this is about an individual that was blind from birth. And then run across, Jesus runs across this man blind from birth. And he has this incredible event take place. A transformation takes place where he becomes a believer, but the religious people are refusing to believe even though the truth are right before them. So let's look at this portion of Scripture found in John chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Read with me. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I want you to get this because back then, in that time, they related when a person was sick or a person went through really tragic times, they related it to sin. That the thing that took place was because of wrong. Now, does anybody remember a man named Job? Anybody? You remember a man named Job who was righteous and perfect in the eyes of the Lord. Did he not go through some difficult times? I just got done watching a little kid video the other day that had done so excellent, so excellent, that just blessed me. And Job went through so much, and yet he was righteous man. You see, that should have threw their, their theological argument out the window. But nevertheless, that's what they viewed. That's how they saw it. And Jesus really is, listen to what he does. He points the, not away from the why. Why did that happen? And then he goes into it and he says, the, kind of like the uh, what God can do in this situation. It's not about why this happened. It's what God's going to do. Once you get that, well, why did this happen to me? Okay, but the question is not the why. The question is, now, what is God going to do from this present situation? We get so focused on the why, we miss the what. Because God is in control. God is the one who wants to lead us as we look to him to lead, right? So, I think this is funny because um, you have the disciples and Jesus come and walk, and they see this blind man. You think they would be compassionate and mercy, but the disciples aren't. They want to get into a theological discussion, and they see the man theologically. Why is he blind? Is it because of sin? Not mention about, hey, maybe we should do something for him. Jesus had it all in plan of what he was going to do. Watch this now. This is where this story is an amazing story, a Bible truth. Listen to what Jesus says. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Watch this now. Night is coming when no one can work. Jesus is saying, listen, I have so much time to do the work. And one day, I'm going to give it my life. Death. When it says night is coming, that's a reference to death. Because no one's going to do any work when one dies. And Jesus is about to do something that changes everything here. You see, Jesus' whole life was about doing miracles. John says this in 21-25. Jesus says, so many miracles, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. His whole life was doing things and showing the glory of God so that you and I may see what he did then and is doing now and for us to believe. Belief is the reason why God does his greatest works. Look what he says now in this portion of scripture. Five and six. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud, with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, I want you to get this for a second. (laughs) First, when you see Jesus, and he says, I am the light of the world, I want you to understand something. People, there are some religions out there that say Jesus never classifies that he's God. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament, and let's go that Moses is in the wilderness, and he sees a bush, 
and it's burning. And Moses goes to the bush and Moses asks the question, who should I say has sent me to deliver the people? And God says, I am. I am everything you need me to be. I am peace. I am and that's why I am is such a great, incredible, all compulsing. Oh, compulsing? Really? That's a right new word. All including, I am everything you need me to be. Jesus, once again, what does he say? I am. I am. Every time God uses the I am, it is clarifying who he is. That's why he did all the miracles. That's why he was always doing something. What are we doing with our time? How are we really challenging? You know, when you're at a restaurant, do you just care about your food? Or do you care about the person who's bringing you food? I tell you, I have to be really tired for all I do is eat. And if you've been with me, the people never get away with at least some type of gospel, depending how tired I am. And the reality is because every moment is to do something and Jesus is on earth and he's trying to share and touch as many as people. We have to do the same thing. Amen. We have to stop living for ourselves and realize we have to stop thinking about the other person. So Jesus now sees him and they're having this theological discussion. And then he says, hey, I'm only in the world for so long and night's coming. And then he goes down, he spits on the ground, makes some mud. I think this is only works on blind people. <laughs> How about if you know you had another pain and someone and come here? How about if I get a little dirt to this after service? Get a little dirt. I'll spit in it, and we're gonna just anoint your elbow. Hurt you. <laughs> Jesus only used spit two times in the New Testament. You only find two times is where he used spit to bring healing upon an individual. This is one of them, and this is what's really kind of interesting. He spits on the ground, he puts it in the man's eyes, and he's about to do something incredible. But only some people can see it, and some people will continue to refuse to see it. And there are some things that don't change. Let's continue to verse 7 and 9. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went out and washed and came home seeing and his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Could you imagine that? Do you see what just took place? He came back a different person. Now think about it. If you ever saw a blind person, their eyes are very different. So he comes back with totally normal eyes. And let's add this. Let's suppose you've been blind since birth. And all of a sudden you get to see. What is your continence going to be? Hmm? I can't believe what I see. I don't think so. You want to talk about a little jubilance in your step? You can see? So he comes in saying, hey everybody. Look, I can see. I don't know if they've ever saw this guy smiling as big as he's ever smiled before. And if you see someone that full of joy with eyes that are normal, he could look a lot different. And so his own neighbors didn't know him. People that have seen him begging didn't know him. Because when Jesus touches you, he changes you. When Jesus touches you, a transformation takes place on the inner. And when it's on the inner, something happens to the outer. It's no longer the same. That's what God wants to do 
in his name. So Jesus does tells them to go ahead and you know, do what he needs to do, and he comes back, and he is just changed. He comes back, but not everybody was happy. Not everybody was happy with the situation, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, because they want to know what's happened. So the first inquiry is this, in verse 10. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. They really wanted to know. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. Then, when, then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. So they want, they're very curious. They, they want to know what's going on. And, and I want you to know, look at, look at verse 12. Because you've you got to catch this, verse 12 and 13. Not everybody's happy. You know, when God does a great work in your life and you share it, not everybody's going to rejoice. I just want to let you know that. Because there is a spirit of jealousy. There is a spirit of envy. There is a spirit of, how come that happened to that person? <laughs> Why don't you just rejoice that someone has been blessed? Why don't you just be glad for the other person? Because, see, here's this man, comes back, his countenance has changed, he's changed. It's just a wonderful thing. Everybody wants to know questions, and you're going to see that not everybody was happy, because in verse 12, it says, where is this man, they asked. I don't know. In verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Why did they bring them? Well, now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was on the Sabbath. <gasps> the Sabbath, he healed the Sabbath again? I can't believe it. <laughs> if they only knew. You see, they were so stuck on the law. They were so stuck that they cannot see the greater work. And sometimes you and I can be so stuck on a way of thinking, the way we've been taught, the way that we know things, and we're afraid to do something different because if we do that different, we can't. No. Hard hearts can't listen and learn. You're going to see this even greater. Hard hearts cannot listen and learn. When we think we know all that going on and we think we know what God's doing, no, we don't. We, that's why we push in. That's why the priests used to go before God and they would ask him, God, what should we do? What do you want to do? Let the living God speak to you. Say this, God, your servant, I'm listening. Remember learning that not too many uh, weeks ago? Learning how to do that simple prayer of understanding what the voice of God sounds like so that once you know his voice, you get direction. It's really important. So, they're not happy. Verse 15. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Well, he put mud in my eyes. The man replied, and I wash, and now I see. I want you to get the, the Pharisees themselves want to know. His neighbors want to know. Everybody wants to know. They're not happy that it was done on a Sabbath. Because the whole neighbors say, wait a minute, this should not happen. And you're coming to see the Pharisees. You're coming to see the religious leaders. Not rejoicing that the man. It gets worth for the poor guy. Here is on one of his best days he ever had. 
His best day ever have, and he has to go through the, you know. And I would hate to say that this happens all the time sometimes. You have this great day in the Lord, and then you have the circumstances around you, and these ought not to be sometimes. Look at verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. I could just imagine, could you get, you get the tone of voice? They're so frustrated, they don't know what to believe. Hey, is your eyes he opened? What do you think? Look what he says. He's a prophet. <laughs> this guy, he don't know much. But one thing he knows, one thing he knows is the person who encountered him, the man Jesus, put some mud in his eyes and he, be, he became, he had sight again when he washed it, when he obeyed what the Lord said. That's all he really knows. He's saying, you know what? He's a prophet. Anybody who does this has to be from God, has to be a messenger, has to be someone special. Look at verse 18. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they sent for the man's parents. I'm just remember, hard hearts can't listen. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Well, he, we know he's our son, the parents answered. We know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for they already had decided that anyone who would acknowledge Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Now, check this out now. This is important. The Pharisees are so close to believing that Jesus actually did this miracle that they go get the parents. You have to understand here, they, they, they're not even looking at the facts. They're just covering the basics. People do the same today. We try everything when we don't believe, when we don't want to believe something, we want proof that it's not true. I mean, we live in a world today that you can stick your feet in cold spaghetti, talk backwards for 10 minutes, and voila, a miracle will take place. And if enough people said it, you know people would start trying it. Well, you never know. What do I got to lose? Give me the cold spaghetti. You hear it on the news. You hear this. We are so gullible to believe things sometimes without really getting the facts. But here in this, in this side of this fence, of this story, the Pharisees were so much against Jesus that even though Jesus was healing and even though Jesus was doing all these miracles, to show the evidence and the words he was speaking, their hearts were closed. They were trying to do everything they could to discredit Jesus. You know, we have a world today that says God's not real. God's not real. We have a world today that people say, well, God don't heal. Didn't heal this person. Didn't heal this person. Forget about the many people he has healed. But what we end up doing sometimes, people end up looking at a, a certain situation and making that situation like it's everything. And so people come up with all these ideas. 
Sometimes I've heard this many times. God is a made-up thing that comes from the world. It's a crutch. People need to look to something bigger than themselves. You know, evolution was Satan's idea, not man's. Let me just put it on the fence. If you thought that was man's idea, if you thought it was Darwin's idea and the difference of the species, let me encourage you, it wasn't Darwin's idea. It's Satan's idea to distract. You see, evolution is Satan's idea given to humanity so that we could have a a reason to refuse the creation of God. Because, you know, you give man an excuse, that's all he wants. Because he wants to deny the evidence of what is or what truth is. But just look around us. And let's just see. The psalmist said this in verse 14.1. It's a fool who said in his heart there is no God. Why did the Lord put that? I'm not calling anybody a fool. Not at all. But I will share with them what the word says. The word says God says in Psalms 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Why did the Lord put that in there? Well, when you look at Romans 1.20, it tells us that all creation gives evidence of God's glory. And that man is without excuse. Listen, to believe in evolution, that there is no God, really takes more faith to, than to believe in Jesus Christ, who has evidence historically not just religiously, but worldly evidence, secular evidence, that Jesus actually walked on earth, that he actually healed. And it actually says in a secular evidence that he actually was, uh, the, the body rose on the third day just as he said, but most people, this is what it says, most people believe that the disciples stole the body. Nothing's changed, even the Bible tells us that. What does it take for you and I? If you look at all that's taken around us, you've got snowflakes so different, each one of you so different, 23 chromosomes, two of them coming together to make something that thinks, something that laughs, something that just, just amazes me, that creation of God. But the see, is when we have hard hearts, no matter what truth comes their way, they're not going to hear. Hard hearts can't learn and can't listen. So the Pharisees had hard hearts. They could not see and understand what was happening. And so they're definitely trying to disprove it over and over and over again. Let's continue. This is where the rubber meets the road. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God. I love this. They're encouraging him to deny what had just happened to him. Now give glory to God, they said. We know this man's a sinner. Trying to like, if I was in the court of law, that's leading the, the witness. We know this man's a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner, I, I, I don't know. I, know not, I don't know. <laughs> but one thing I know, <laughs> I love this. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Amen. I want you to understand something. There's a lot of people telling you about, well, you know, God's this and God's that. You need to really let them know what you know. What has God done in your life? Remember what he's done in you. You see, when someone comes up to me and they have this philosophical idea and, they, and, they just, and they're almost sometimes so adamant. It's like an evolutionist being so mad at me because I believe in God. And I say to him, I say to him, why are you so mad that I believe? Because he's not real. Yeah, okay. And? But you act like he is. 
We don't get mad at kids when they believe in Santa Claus. Do we? The Easter Bunny? The Tooth Fairy? So why are we getting mad? I believe in God. And then I said, by the way, by the way, I have evidence in my own personal life that God shows up and shows off and healed me. What evidence do you have? I have a personal, personal experience with Almighty God, his power, his might, how he changed my life, how I'm a dead man walking. I should have been dead so many times, but he intervened in every situation. You want to see something about that? I'm open. Because, see, I may not know much, but one thing I know, that my Jesus, he touched me. He freed me. He empowered me by his spirit. He made me a new creation. And now I've been transformed by the love of God. That's what I know. You can't take that away. You can't kill it. Because it's real. It's bonafide real. I don't know. But for this man here, he's trying to be, they're trying to lead him astray. You know? I don't, he says, listen, give glory to God. They said, we know this man's a sinner. And he said, no, 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 no. You don't seem to understand. I don't know about all that stuff, he said. This is what I know. This is what I know. I was blind my whole life since birth. And now I can see. When God touches your vessel, when God touches you, something happens to you. You're not the same vessel because Greater than he that's in you than in the world. This is not just scripture. This is scripture alive, living, because it's very breath of God. Man, I tell you what, if I were on camera, I think I'd do a little shuffle right out of camera. <laughs> hey, where did pastor go? <laughs> Let me see. One thing, one thing. The man knew what Jesus had done for him. The man knew he was blind all his life, but now we see. The man knew who put the mud in his eyes and told him to go to the pool. And the man knew, the man knew that the experience in which he had with this man has changed his life. Jesus Christ has changed my life. Oh man, I'm not even the same person anymore. There's people who have said that. What happened to you? <laughs> I say, Jesus. Jesus is what happened to me. So let's ask ourselves a question once again. What are the things that you know God has done in your life, but you no longer share them with others? Or what personal experience in God, this is just you now, have you had but forgotten over the process of time? And now a present situation drains you instead of you finding power from a past experience that filled you. Look at verse 26 and 29. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? He just gets better. This, this, guy, this guy rocks. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Hard hearts can't listen. Why do you want me to, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? What happened? He coming bold now. He's bold. He's getting tired of these religious leaders. He's getting bold. Hey, hey, he's a prophet. Do you want to become his disciples? That didn't go over well. 
They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. There's a little bit of pride there and arrogance, but we'll leave that one alone. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Okay, so let's get this. Here's the man who had this incredible encounter with the Lord God Almighty, Emmanuel, and he knows. His these religious leaders, and they're saying, eh, we don't know. Who should really know? Should be the religious leaders. That's what they've been trained for. That's all the memorization. Let me tell you something. These religious leaders were not dumb. They were smart. They had memorization of the Torah. They, had, they, they, they would blow me away in memorization. Like I wouldn't even be in the same park. You know what I'm trying to say? But you can do all that stuff and still miss it when it doesn't. It becomes a ritual versus a relationship. You get that? It doesn't matter how much you know. It's what you do with what you know. And how you live it out. Now... It gets better. The man answered, now that is remarkable. He becomes a preacher. He is now about to do the best sermon he's ever preached in his whole life because of the Spirit of God, no doubt, that God's there on him. There's no doubt. Because the man answered, well, that's remarkable. <laughs> he goes on to say, you don't know where he comes from. Yet, he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly men who does the will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could, not do, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. <laughs> Everything the man said was true. But because the Pharisees were so set, so closed, even to the very moment that they killed Jesus and put him to the cross using the Roman government, they were hardened in heart and would not receive it, could not believe it because they couldn't understand it. You see, I don't know about you. I know one thing, though, is that the man who was healed does some really strong teaching because he knows something. I think your message of your testimony could be better and greater when you really remember what you know. Remember the experiences in which you've had with the Lord. The Pharisees are insecure, and they remind him of his past. You remember sickness and now favor with God in the very beginning? You are steeped in sin. And you, of all people, are going to tell us? They were so offended, they gave him the boot. Now, to be kicked out of the synagogue was no little matter. Okay, back then, it was huge, because being a Jewish man and the synagogue was part of your identity. And to be kicked out, that's why the parents feared it. Where do you go? How do you have a relationship with God? Because they saw that through the synagogue through the worship. Now look here. Look at this. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Isn't it cool? Jesus didn't leave him alone, but Jesus sought him out. When you go through problems, Jesus will seek you out. You know, when, when there's something that takes place in our life and we feel like, wow, I did this, but now I'm, I got the situation. Don't worry, God's not done with you yet. Chill out. Take a chill pill. Take the gospel. 
He's going to help you. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is it, sir? The man asked, Tell me so that I may believe in him. I love this. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Look, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You know, Jesus went up to the disciples and said, Who am I? And they came up on it, and Peter finally said, You are the Christ. Jesus introduced himself to this man. Jesus went up to him, and there's something special just took place, an incredible experience that took place. God wants to truly introduce himself to you, but will you open your heart, and will you just let God speak to you, and let him do the speaking, and you do the, the quiet, just listening, so that you can see what God wants to say. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man is eager to believe. I want you to get this because we can learn a few lessons. Here's a few lessons that we can learn from this man that was healed. The man chose to believe the facts, what he knew was true. Stop for a second. The man chose to believe what he knew was true, the facts. What were the facts? A man named Jesus came up to him, put mud in his eye, and then told him to go wash the mud, and he received a, a healing. A healing, yes, but he'd been blind all his life. Get this, the first time you open your eyes and the first time you get to see somebody. Have you ever gone on YouTube and you see these people who put glasses on and they can see color? They, they see whole life with black and white. And they put these eyes on, eyes on. <laughs> they put these glasses on and all of a sudden they see color. And the people just fall, the, the kids, adults, they just fall to pieces. They, they can't believe how beautiful it is. And, and, and it just brings tears to my eyes. It's just so, so beautiful for when a person just sees something new. And then I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you imagine when we get to heaven and see it from a different perspective again? <laughs> I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the mind of man. The thing that God has for those that love him, the best is yet to come. He's going to give you new vision, new sight, new things. It's going to be glory, glory. Mm-mm-mm. See, the man chose to believe the facts in which he knew. What do you know about Jesus Christ? Why don't you walk in that? Well, you know, I'm not perfect. Well, join the club. Does anybody, does anybody have the perfect award here yet? I don't, think any, I don't think that's an issue. That's an excuse. That's an excuse. Be careful you don't use an excuse as your purpose. The man received boldness and strength from his experience. When you walk with God and God starts to do some things in your life, you're going to walk with a boldness, with a strength. Why is that? Because you know that I know. One thing I know, that my God is with me. What does the scripture says? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that? You know, well, I had a tough time and stuff, but then he left me. No, 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 no. That's when he carried you. Hmm. This man experienced, his experience was over the popular opinion. Here he is under pressure with all the religious leaders, and they're telling him what he should say. He goes, uh-uh. One thing I know. I don't know this, and I don't know this, but one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. 
He wasn't going to let the popular opinion sway. So easy. We are like sheep. And the reason why God calls us sheep is because we're easily astray by voices and this. And we just follow the herd. Instead of going to the master, the great shepherd, and going there first before we listen to any other voices, are we seeking the great shepherd who's a ruler over our life? Is he the one we run into? Are we trying to get all the information this way? We run into trouble when we start doing it this way. The man was convinced that his experience, even when he was unfairly criticized, he did not allow his experience to change because he knew it was true. Listen, a lot of times people don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but there are gifts of the Spirit that God comes upon people and does incredible works so the Spirit of God flows through people to do greater works. Now, there's some people say, oh, that's spooky. I don't want to touch that stuff. Well, you know what? If you don't, can't read your Bible and see what God has done, God is God. It's not spooky. You just have to know him in a relationship. It's never spooky. Let's watch this now, how this ends. This is powerful. 39. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And so the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they asked, What? Are we blind too? <laughs> they shouldn't have said that. Jesus said, If you were blind, you would be not guilty of your sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Let me share this to you. One of the greatest questions that you hear on campuses sometimes is like, you're trying to tell me that everybody is going to go to hell if they don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I tell them, I said, that's, that's right, but you're also accountable for the truth that you know. And according to right here, Jesus was very clear. You have now heard the truth, and you have now not received the truth. You're now accountable. You're accountable. You're accountable when you hear truth. You have to respond to the truth. And if you're not too sure, then you keep looking and seeking truth. So that, and you open yourself, you listen and learn. You be a Mary. You sit at the feet of Jesus. You get into the Word of God. Let God speak to you. Because as we're talking about Wednesday nights, hearing the voice of God, God wants to speak. We just have to have ears to listen. He's a good God. It's a journey. It's a journey, and in every journey, you'll find yourself at that fork of which way you're going to go, whether you're going to go your way or go God's way. It's a choice, but knowing the God who heals is the God who reveals. And the closer you get to God, the greater God wants to do a work in your life and through you. Why don't you close your eyes before the Father, and I just want you to... Take a moment here. Take a moment and understand how much he loves you. You're watching by internet. I want you to know Jesus Christ so loves you. And he wants you to know him. The only way you can get to know him is you first have to get to know his word. Then you know his ways and you understand his will. And then eventually when you make him your savior, you do his works. Because of love. It's all about love. Valentine's Day is a great day to talk about God because it's all about God's love every single day. And maybe you're listening to me. Maybe you're here today and Jesus is not your Savior. You've never said, God, I've sinned. I've done my own thing. And I'm sorry. And you've probably never said, God, forgive me of my sin. So just right where you are, say, God, forgive me of my sin. 
I am sorry. I've done it my own way. Lord, I've gotten over here and over there, and I've missed it. And I today, this day, this day, the first day of the rest of my life, I want to dedicate my heart to you because you're the one that has demonstrated what true joy and true love is, where you reached out your hands and they put you to the cross. God, I just ask right now that you would forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and life. I believe you died on the cross, and on the third day you rose again and defeated death, sin, and a grave. And I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And I ask this in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, it's the most beautiful thing in the world that God can do in your life. And then get into a church that's talking scriptures and teaching scriptures. Grow your life. Read the scriptures. Grow in God. God will do a great work in you and through you. God is good. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.